pieces in your big chess game. Get Over Divorce starts now. Divorcees and the heartbroken Cole Johnson here. This is Get Over Divorce, where we demonstrate life after heartbreak. And in this case, we are talking about chess pieces known as human beings. Yes, and normally that term will be called pawns. And pawns come in many different shapes, sizes, and ages. And we're going to talk about all of those as I come off the top of the dome. doesn't matter the gender you could be a woman you could be a man you actually feel the exact same type of pain the question you have to ask yourself is how are you going to maneuver with said pain and unfortunately for most the ego comes into play and what do I mean by that normally when you are in the midst or in the throes of a dispute You do your best to marshal your troops. And when you do that, you normally marshal your troops with the poisonous intent to destroy the opposite side. Normally, and on most occasions, it happens to be children who happen to be caught in a crossfire. And not just with you two lobbing insults toward one another in the presence of the child or children. But... Currying favor with said child or children so that you can stick it to the opposite parent or your parents or your siblings or your friends. In most cases, the children, but you can pretty much put other types of relationships in place and it can almost be the same thing. Children are the biggest case of this because, well, they're the most innocent and unfortunately they are the easiest to manipulate which is horrible to say but it's true when you think about it they're not like the king or queen on a chessboard. they are the pawns where you can move them however you see fit wherever you see fit have them serve whatever purpose you see fit and that is the real damage mentalhelp.net talks about this type of game playing for real and metaphorically When it comes to how divorces happen when parents pit their children against the other. Start quote. It is really important that divorcing parents communicate with the children that they are loved by both mom and dad and that the divorce is not caused by the children. It is also important to communicate confidence in the other parent and that mom and dad just cannot get along together and that these things happen but they are safe with and loved by each parent. 
end quote. That's hard. And that takes maturity. That takes years of healing, years of work, years of being honest with yourself and years of being honest with the other. But the unfortunate part is you created a lifetime decision with said child with a seasonal person, your mate, your ex mate, that is. And when you have that, you have to negotiate something that you weren't built to negotiate. And I don't mean this as you as a man weren't weren't and a woman is or you as a woman weren't, but a man is. No, no human being was meant to go through life having these types of scenarios happen and you know how to negotiate your way through it. We weren't built to be divorcees. We weren't, bu- we weren't built to know how to do divorce, especially if you have children and property and assets and friendships that you've negotiated and you formed in this bond along the way. Momtastic.com has this to say about parenting and how you're supposed to do it in terms of a divorced union. Start quote. Do we always get along? No, but for the most part we do, and we try to work together as best we can. Having a peaceful divorce doesn't mean that there's any, that there's no. Having a peaceful divorce doesn't mean that there's never any tension between the two of us. It just means we handled that tension with class. End quote. Yes, it isn't easy to look at the other person and you actually see plans of your future that did not happen plans that went awry and you see the the possibilities of what might have been in the face of this person that now you have to you still have to go through life with at least the next however many years because you both form this life that's growing before your very eyes scarymommy.com talks about the 10 things divorced parents should do while avoiding messing up their children, this is what they have to say about moving on. Start quote. Sooner rather than later. Don't let the hurt consume your years. It does more damage to yourself and to your kids. Do you want your son or daughter to see you as this miserable, damaged, angry man or woman? By all means, grieve a bit. Get mad, but then get back to being the best person and parent you can be without emotional baggage. And if that means you need to go see a shrinky dink, then do it. End quote. Bottom line is you can't let your anger boil over to where you manipulate other human beings. That's not how we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to, as I mentioned in the episode before, be comfortable with those four walls and yourself and that mirror. So that you can get out that angst and that bitterness without hurting a lot of people. You do that and you hurt the least amount of people because you can get whatever it is the most, the most painful, the most seething, the most injurious, the most poisonous emotions that dwell within you about this out of you. Because unfortunately, your children are sponges. But not just them, parents, your friends, your co-workers. All of them are sponges. All of them absorb the energy that you put forth and exude. And so you got to be careful 
to not manipulate anybody who is in your purview. If you do, then that means you have to seclude yourself in said four walls with said mirror and look at yourself and make that pact to not damage anybody else while you're licking your wounds and going through the pain of death on earth. this isn't easy I mean I I can talk about many different scenarios as to why it's not now I am not a parent so I didn't deal with dealing with children as pawns but I dealt with other people and things used as pawns in my life through my divorce why don't you come on with me behind the curtain and deeper inside you my love grows deep so deep you keep the love that flows from me perfect it was a hot summer day and when I say hot and I mention Houston, you know it gets hot, especially in August. So it was a hot summer day. We, we, my then wife and myself, move into a house we bought. So we bought this house the month prior. We move in about three or so weeks later. My wife at the time is happy. She's beaming because this is the, the house she dreamt of. Me, on the other hand, I didn't think this was the dream house, but I did like the house. And I figured, okay, this is a great step. But I really believed that we deserved better, or at least I thought we deserved better. But I knew that this is the better that we could have for now. And so after all the pieces were moved into our new house, and I mean right after, when I mean right after, I mean when the door closed after the movers left the house. My wife looked at me and she said, this is, this is my dream house with this wide, bright, shining grin on her face. And I was a little more demure. I wasn't quite as excited about the house as she was. I wasn't depressed, but I just wasn't as excited. I said, yeah, this is a nice house, but I just believe we're going to have better. And my wife at the time returned fire by saying, star quote, well, you can believe that this is not going to be our last house. But for me, I'm not moving out of this place because you can go somewhere else. This is where I'm staying for the rest of my life. End quote. Why am I telling you this story in particular? Well, we didn't have children to use as pawns. For the most part, we didn't really have our parents to use as pawns. And I say for the most part because... For some parts, it happened, but I choose and chose then not to really involve both my parents and unfortunately for my now ex-wife, only her mother, because, well, her father passed away the year before we got divorced. And I can do a story all about that guy <laughs> all day, but it's not about him. 
It's about using whatever you can to leverage whatever pain you have to make the other feel small. And so here we are. The year has passed. It's the same month, only a year later. And instead of that giddiness of this is my house that my ex-wife or say my wife at the time had, it's now the dour look of basically planning her guide on on the property saying that this is her house and I needed to leave. And for about three days, I put up a fight. I, you know, I say, well, you know, this is my property too. I, you know, I work just as hard to get to this, uh, this spot as you. I, no, 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 it's not going to happen. And so she pulled a power move because, well, she had a job that, you know, quite frankly, paid more than what I did. And she just simply said, no, no, this is mine. You got to go. And then threatened police action on me. And so when that happened, I can honestly say that's when I checked out of dealing with her, period. Because I think if I were to say that, if I were to, if, if I were to be asked, what, what day did you know that you didn't want to have to deal with your now ex-wife for the rest of your life? It would be that day. And I will talk about that day in particular in another podcast episode. But I was seeing that we were using the house as a pawn. You know, we were trying to make the other feel bad about a property. And I didn't want to have anything to do with it because I just felt frayed. And again, I will talk about the story that led me to where I am now <laughs> in another episode as well. Because I felt broadsided and blindsided by it as well. So dealing with being blindsided and basically being afraid to the point where I just didn't want to deal with disputes or her any longer. I said, okay, I'm done. And so I packed up all of my belongings in the car that I had and I left. What I discovered was, wow, if we're going to be this, if, if people could be this petty about property, gosh, I can only imagine how, how much worse it could be if we had children. Because ego really plays a big part, a huge part, a gigantic part in how we all live, move, have our being and try to and try to discuss and, and, and turn about and turn over how it is we're going to move about under such difficult circumstances. Am I happy that I played that role for just a short amount of time? No. And probably other divorcees could look at me and say, well, hmm, at least you didn't have children. Yes. Well, at least you, at least you didn't have a dispute with the property. Yes. But the unfortunate aspect of all of that is I still had to deal with the ego that I had and the ego that she had and fighting over something that I thought belonged to me, but I didn't care about her feelings or anybody else's. And that's really the problem with using anything as a pawn because you can use the move and you can use the piece to block, to assert, to damage, to harm, to even kill. But when you realize that you're using pawns, that is when you have been checkmated. And that's when I had to understand that in this chess game of life, in this instance, I couldn't win. And the only way to win was to leave.
This is Get Over Divorce, where we're demonstrating life after heartbreak. Cole Johnson here, and we have discussed how people can use children amongst any other entity. In off the top, I talked about how we use property as a pawn in behind the curtain. What does God have to say about this, though? Welcome to the spiritual connection. doesn't want us to be the type of people who use one another he's highly upset when we try to one-up somebody for our own personal gain and unfortunately that's how we all roll in life we we get into these spaces in life where we we have to manipulate and distort and twist and cajole people and and situations to suit our egos that's a dangerous place to be And that's something that God doesn't want us to be. And it takes us out of what we're supposed to be, which is light and life. Part of the reason why God hates divorce is because it turns us into the worst forms of human beings that we could possibly imagine. Because we're not focused on the good of anybody. We're only focused on the good of ourselves. And and because of that, we're not focused on ourselves at all when you really look at it. Join me in a moment of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for being here. I thank you for the listener who is hearing this program. And I thank you for imparting any wisdom that I can put forth into this listener because it's not coming from me. It's coming from you. Your word says, for when two or three are gathered together in your name, you will be amongst us in the midst. So be with the listener and with me in this program and have us not be torn by manipulation, by using things and people and places and scenarios and money as pawns. Direct us to a better way to deal with our anger, to deal with our bitterness, to deal with our egos, and most importantly, to deal with one another. For your word says that the fear of you is the beginning of knowledge. And so if we're not in awe of you, we're in awe of all these other aspects of life that take us away from the biggest purpose which is to love and serve you and love and serve one another. In Jesus' name, amen. It's an ego trip. It's a huge, big ego trip because you're hurt. You're insulted. It's like you've had spittle put in your face. So I get it. You don't don't want to be shown up. You don't want to feel as though you're being belittled. But guess what? Unfortunately, all of us in life deal with embarrassment and embarrassing situations. It's just a part of life. It's unfortunate, but it is a part of life. And also unfortunate is the fact that we can make others embarrassed and miserable and we can manipulate them too. We have to be that conduit where we don't manipulate anyone. That when we see our children, our parents, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers in those moments where anger wants to take a hold of you, where the flesh wants to grab onto you and shine and outshine everything and everybody else. 
talking ill to you about your ex. That's when you have to really dig deep, get down into your spirit and say that it's not who I am. I'm the righteousness of God and I fight in a way that isn't human because God fights my battle for me. And when God fights your battle, it isn't going to look like you're lashing out at people. It's going to look as though you're shining light, even when it looks really grim in your life. Crosswalk.com mentions how co-parenting with an ex is supposed to happen and how it looks if you're an advocate or an adversary. Start quote. I think there are two things we can agree on as single parents. Co-parenting is necessary and a crucial aspect for any parents raising children married or not. We can also agree that it is not always easy. In fact, it may be downright frustrating sometimes, no matter what the situation, though we are always called to handle our side of the street in a God-honoring way. The rest we must entrust to God. End quote. And that's with all the situations in life. We have we, we have to give that up to God. We can't keep this within us. We're not built for it. <laughs> this is something we can't handle. This this anger, this feeling of being <laughs> unloved, the feeling of learning that no that that this ex of yours loves you no longer or is in love with you no longer. That's something you and no other human being on this planet can handle. We're not meant to handle that. So we have to give that up. We have to give that to God and just keep going in a positive direction so that we don't hurt the people who love us most, especially our children, especially our parents, especially our friends. We don't want to lose the focus of what we are built to do. We're meant to shine light, not to dim it. And in this moment, that's what you're doing. You're dimming others lights. No, don't do that. I did that. So you wouldn't have to go through that. Don't do it. DivorceGirlSmiling.com talks about the vindictive ex when hate comes before children. Start quote. Like most other divorced people, the vindictive ex has resentment, anger, and bitterness. But the difference between he or she and a normal person is the vindictive ex has a burning desire to punish or harm their ex. In other words... They want revenge and they will stop at nothing to destroy their former spouse to get even. End quote. Revenge is a dish best served cold. That is a, a, a common phrase you hear in the world, right? Well, in the realm of God, the best revenge is when you allow God to fight your battle for him, for you. Revenge looks as if it doesn't have any place in your life. Revenge is saying, <laughs> I'm not built for this, God. This is your battle. Jesus, come and take the wheel on this one. I don't have the means and the wherewithal to handle it correctly. Because if I do, I'm going to hurt people I love. That's not what I want to do. That I believe is not who I am. And I know that it's not what you fashion and shape me to be. Besides, i got a little one at home. I can't hurt him or her anymore. Or I have family that I can't hurt anymore. Or if you're healthy enough that you think you are to even date other people. And I'll explain that in another episode. I can't hurt my ex-girlfriend or boyfriend because of my baggage in the past. 
because I think he or she is acting like my ex-wife or ex-husband. God take this one because I can't handle it. HuffPost.com talks about pawning children and how we should not do that. Start quote. Children often get caught in the line of divorce crossfire. Secretly, they wish it could all go away. Instead, they develop mannerisms and symptoms to cope with parental conflict. As time progresses, children witness silent hatred alternating with a barrage of angry words. Not only are they ill-prepared to deal with their parents' anger, but they are cut off from having a framework for successful relationships. End quote. And not only children, but everybody that you deal with deals with that too, but the children are the most vulnerable. Matthew 7.15 says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Don't be that ravenous wolf. Don't have the appearance that you come with good intentions, but you destroy because you want to get over and get even and get back. That's not you. That's not you. That will never be you. You keep going forward, though, in this vein, it could be you. It shouldn't be. Tap into the better part of who you are. That's what you need to do in this situation. If your mate is doing something that or ex-mate is doing something that is injurious to you, then yes, fight back, but don't do so with other people. Take that battle to be between you, your ex, and Jesus. Because nobody else needs to be damaged in your war. You've caught yourself using other people as pawns, especially your children, and you feel as though this is the only way that you can maneuver in life. Well, I have an audio for you, a free audio at that. It's called How to Heal from Heartbreak. You see, what you're dealing with is a bitter heart, a stony heart. And so let the words of that till the ground of your heart so that you can get exactly how you're supposed to be with other people in dealing with divorce. This is not the way. But after you hear how to heal from heartbreak, you'll know the way. You'll know the truth and you'll know the life that you're meant to seek. You can get that in these show notes or at getoverdivorce.org. Well, that's all the time I have. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. I know it's hard, but you will conquer it. I'm Cole Johnson, reminding you why be under the oppressive boot of life when you can get over divorce. Be blessed. For more on Get Over Divorce, go to Pippa, spelled P-I-P-P-A dot I-O. And all podcast directories. Music by CXDY.